Hello and welcome to the podcast for the April 2011 issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Richard Lane here and this month I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Hayward from TLID to discuss some of the April issue highlights. Welcome Peter. Let's start uh, with an article and this concerns the very important issue in ID which is the concept of switching or when to switch antiretroviral therapy but particularly among children. What's the main clinical issue here? When anyone starts a, a treatment for an infectious disease, there are several problems that, uh, that can arise. One of the major problems people find is uh, resistance to therapies. Although highly active antiretroviral therapy, or HEART as it's known, has revolutionised the treatment for people with HIV and, and radically changed the expectations of people with treatment, resistance is a problem here too. What happens is when someone starts their first line of therapy is that gradually over time that therapy becomes less effective as the virus adapts to the treatment. And what happens is the viral loads rise and CD4 counts begin to drop and then people need to start thinking about changing the regimen to one that's going to be more effective against the virus as it stands now. When we talk about antiretroviral therapy and combination therapy and switching, we're talking really about two classes of drugs, aren't we? The protease inhibitors, PI, and the non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, and let's shorten that immediately, <laughs> uh, to uh, NNRTIs. Is there a benefit, or pro, are there pros and cons, as to whether you start therapy predominantly on one more than the other? Not really. Both of these classes of drugs, along with the nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, which form the backbone of any uh, of the treatment regimens, both of these classes of drugs are very effective and, and as I said, have, have really changed expectations for treatment of HIV. And so the choice is made basically by the physicians and taking into consideration what's available, procurement and likely adverse events, dispensing abilities and, and costs. Tell us briefly about the methodology of this current trial. So this is the PEMPACT-1 trial, and this trial is an open-label randomised phase 2-3 trial that uh, assesses starting with either protease inhibitors or NNRTIs, and then the parameters at which the drugs will be switched. The researchers have compared switching at two different viral load levels, the first viral load level being 1,000 copies per milliliter, which would represent an earlier switch because the virus has increased in number less, the second level being 30,000 copies per milliliter, which is a later switch the people have been on the drug for longer, allowing the virus to increase to a greater, a greater load within the patient's blood. And moving to the results, Peter, they look quite encouraging, don't they, for all four arms of the trial? As expected, really, given that we know these drugs to be, to be very effective. But it is encouraging that all, all four strategies, with PI, NNRTI, 1,000 copies per milliliter or 30,000 copies per milliliter, patients fared well in whichever group they were in. So, Peter, what would the main conclusion or bottom line be from this study? The main finding, really, is that... Uh, the good long-term outcomes were achieved with all treatment strategies, but the delayed switching of protease inhibitor antiretroviral therapy might be reasonable. And presumably, Peter, these results are generalisable across different settings. The study was done in Europe, North America and South America in, several, in multiple centres there. But it is expected that these findings would likely hold for very different settings and obviously... It is likely that these results in Africa where HIV is a, is a massive burden. It's particularly encouraging, as said in a comment by Catherine Sutcliffe and William J. Moss, this is a particularly encouraging finding for African settings where now many people, many children have been exposed to non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors through maternal and infant prophylaxis for prevention of mother-to-child transmission. So the prospect of protease inhibitor therapy being, being a quite 
a relatively long-term option is really encouraging for this setting. And let's discuss briefly a personal view, and this is on the interesting topic of zoonoses. I had no idea, I suppose it's obvious if you stop and think about it, that two-thirds of human pathogens are actually caused by zoonoses. So can you give some, first question, give us some obvious examples of, um, of human infectious diseases that are zoonotic? The list goes on and on, but I suppose that some of the I mean, some of the most obvious ones we've actually just been talking about, HIV, which originated from, which originated in primates in Central Africa. You've then got H1N1 from last year, that, that, uh, that influenza virus originated in, in pigs. And then other things such as Ebola, Rift Valley fever. Avian flu. Avian influenza. Yes. SARS. The list. SARS, indeed. Yes. Yeah, so um, you, can, you can really can go on and on with that list. The authors of this review talk about how zoonotic infections are increasing for for various reasons. Do you just want to comment on that? As the world becomes ever more linked and we're we're zipping about all over the place, humans as well as animals being transported around the world and human and animal products being transported around the world. We are exposing ourselves to these viruses ever more and, and transporting along with animals and, and with ourselves. We're transporting these viruses to new parts of the world and exposing more people and more animals to these to viruses and bacteria. And what the authors are talking about here, as obviously as well as giving lots of examples, as, as you've just given as well, actually what they're calling for is, is some sort of um, policy framework, isn't it? So for the world, scientific world at large, so we can actually get a grip on, on, on what... It, on what this issue is. So what's their justification or reasoning, if you like, for, for a policy approach? Well, it's been recognised now increasingly over the past few years that because of the nature of human life now and the, and the way we spread around the world and we, and we take our animals with us and we spread our animal products around the world, and because of these increasing rates of zoonoses, it's been recognised that to address human health concerns surrounding these these problems, you really can't just look at the human side of the equation. You've got to also look at wildlife and and livestock. This has become what's been termed the one health paradigm and where you have to look at not just the health of humans but the health of animals as well. And so what the authors of this personal view have done, Richard Coker and colleagues, is to come up with a framework for how all the different aspects are interrelated and how research in one area can and should feed into the others so that we've got an integrated way of tackling zoonoses and emerging infectious diseases. Excellent. It's a very interesting and topic, something I hadn't really considered before, so it's good to read and, and to talk about yeah. that. Actually, Richard, I, just one other thing to remember is that obviously we talk about this from the human perspective because we are also a, we are an infectious diseases journal, but actually the, this works both ways because things such as Ebola, while they have a wildlife reservoir, also, humans can transmit those back. and So we so can this, be a reservoir for animals. We can also be a reservoir and transmit things to animals. And so this also, it, this not only has relevance to human health, wildlife health and, uh, and, and livestock health, but also to conservation with people passing uh, diseases such as Ebola back to gorillas and chimpanzees. Great. Thanks, Peter. Well, those are the two papers we're going to focus mm-hmm. on, but... Talk us, walk us, talk us and walk us through uh, the rest of the uh, April issue of TLID. Okay, so we've uh, we've a plethora of interesting content as ever, Richard. We start off with an editorial on the endless struggle of the fight against 